0: Thank you so much for tuning into a very, very special episode of Empowering Tomorrow, a Tata Communications podcast. I'm Oriel Morrison, co-founder and CSO at the APAC Network, and I'm thrilled, absolutely thrilled to be hosting this episode on how technology is the linchpin for building inclusive industries like those of professional sport. Now, I say a very special episode because it is just that, a very special episode, because Singapore's biggest flagship event of the year, the Formula One Grand Prix is just around the corner. Now this of course is an event which is attended in person by hundreds of thousands of people but it's also viewed by millions more right around the world who are watching it as much for the high octane racing as for the dazzling nighttime views of the of the Lion City. The Singapore Grand Prix is certainly iconic to say the least and an amazing event if you can attend it in person yourself. Tata Communications is the official broadcast connectivity provider of the F1 and in the spirit of this podcast empowering tomorrow we are taking the opportunity today to discuss the alliance between technology and sports. Now today we're clearly chatting about Formula One but we're also talking about how technology is changing the game in so many ways, specifically when it comes to promoting diversity and inclusion. Now it may not seem quite so obvious on the surface but sport and technology work very very well together to bridge access and inclusion gaps. So to unpack exactly how I'm very excited to introduce you to today's panel. We have joining us today broadcast journalist and one of the leading female voices in Formula One Rosanna Tennant. Welcome, Rosanna. Wonderful to have you with us today. Thank you so much for having us. We have also with us President at United Women Singapore, Georgette Tan. Georgette, welcome to you also. Thank you
1: so much. It's lovely to be here.
0: And we have the Chief Strategy and Innovation Officer at Tata Communications, Tree Pham. Tree, welcome. Thanks for joining us.
2: Oh, thank you. Very excited to be here.
0: So happy to have all of you with us today. So Tree, let, let me kick things off with you. As the Chief Strategy and Innovation Officer at Tata Communications, I'd love to get your thoughts on why the F1 for Tata?
2: I think the F1 is a is a amazing example of how um, technology and sports um, work together. Um, this story goes back about over 10 years ago when we were looking to raise awareness about our global solutions of how we enable digital transformation on a global basis. And we were looking for something to build a brand to raise the awareness of our capability. And there was no better example that demonstrate the, the kind of technology challenges that face facing when you try to do these sporting events. So in these events, there's a lot of data that's floating around. Uh, one, you have like 300 sensors in each of the car. And each sensor is broadcasting about over a million telemetry data points a second. And then you got 20 cars um, in each of the races. Then you got sensors on the, on, in the, each of the stadiums that's collecting information about the weather and the temperature and the, and the humidity and, then the, and, the, and the track and everything. And all that information is is actually being analyzed in real time to make real-time decisions during the middle of the races about pit st- uh, strategies, about tire strategies, what you're doing with the car. And then on top of that, we have Cameras throughout the stadium that's collecting feeds on what's going on around the races. We have cameras in the cars collecting what the the drivers are seeing. All of this is being um, captured, uh, set back to a central location to minimize the need of having people sending a lot of people to different locations and producing and processing all that and then going to a live broadcast. And this is being done for every race around locations all around the world. And we were so proud to show how we can be part of this, um, uh, enabling this kind of adventure in a way that's very cost effective and enabling the Formula One to do even more things to improve the, the fan engagement. We're talking about like 500 terabytes of data that's being shared cetera, across um, each one of these races. So amazing um, challenges, and you know, we were just very happy to be part of enabling the solutions and being, you know, partner to Formula One in such an event.
0: For, for, true for the lay, lay people amongst us, what does 500 terabytes look like?
2: Uh, it looks like uh, watching probably, I would say, like a thousand movies. Wow. <laughs> thousand, like, watch, Netflix shows of movies.
0: Wow. Just so that motorsports fans around in one the world race, can
2: in one watch race, yeah.
0: the, the F1 experience from anywhere. That's amazing. That's quite incredible. Uh, so well done to Tata Communications on, on that. Now, let's talk about bringing F1 to the world. Rosanna, I, w- I wanted to speak to you. Now, j- for those listeners amongst us who don't know Rosanna, Rosanna led the race commentary in 2021 and had the honour of becoming the first female to call an F1 race start. That is a pretty special. That is definitely something to be very, very proud of. Rosanna, how did that feel? It was a little nerve wracking, Oral, I've got to say. It's a huge honor, a huge privilege to even
3: go into a Formula One commentary box, that there's a lot to take in. You've got a lot of screens. You've got to watch the 20 cars. You've got to have eyes all over the grid. It was nerve wracking, but what a thrill. And um, it's just been great to be be part of the Formula One team,
0: bringing that coverage to, to viewers at home and viewers around the world as well. Did it give you this sort of feeling that you've got a real sense of responsibility here? Uh, Obviously, being the first female to call an F1 race start? I think yes, but I think my job, first and foremost, is to do a good job. You know, I don't walk into the commentary
3: box thinking I'm a woman, I work at Formula One, and I'm a commentator, I'm a presenter. I think. I'm a presenter, a commentator, I work in Formula One, and I happen to be a woman. And it means that it all comes down to the hard work and preparation that we all do going into these events. And if people are happy to hear a woman on the, on the air, that's fantastic. But really, I need to make sure I'm doing a great job so that they have no worries about it being a woman in the commentary box.
0: So, so we've just heard some amazing stats from Tree talking about you know the five hundred terabytes of of data generated per race, which as Tree explained, was like a thousand videos or something like that. How much fun is the live broadcast and and doing it from 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 the media box, and and how much is it is it changing as of course media consumption has changed dramatically? over the last few few years and and technology evolving alongside that
3: yeah it's a huge thrill and the live broadcasting now has evolved immeasurably i started working in one in 2013 and it was just as everyone was really getting on top of their social media accounts as well so we don't just have the live broadcast we've got a lot of shoulder program around the sort of lights going out and the checkered flag being flown people want more and you've just got to continue feeding that beast so we're kind of live across the weekend, as I say. it's not just about covering those 72 laps um, for an hour and a half. You've got to delve deeper. You've got to tell more stories. People want to know more about the drivers, about the cars and the technology. And Sue so mentioning all those data points on the cars and from the tracks and information about weather. It's up to us to package that up in a digestible way for fans to understand it
0: around the world. How much of a window do you have in your position to see what what's happening with the evolution of tech of technology and so forth? Well, I'm very lucky because
3: I've been working so closely with Formula One over the last decade. Uh, I get to go into the amazing um, event technical centre that we have on site in Formula One, and it's just amazing to see how much it's changed and progressed in recent years. There are so many different departments. All working very quietly, I have to say, in this amazing broadcast center. Very different to the noisy track outside. Everyone working seamlessly together, relying on data points, relying on task communications. Um, and that's team Rindian, that's graphics, that's the director, the producers, people putting out
0: replays. Um, and it's just become so much faster. Oh, it's just fascinating. It's absolutely fascinating to think just how much technology has evolved and, and, and sports along with it. Um, And, of course, as as an F1 fan, just amazing to watch. Now, Georgia, let me bring you into the conversation here. You do some amazing work with women as a diversity leader. Can you tell us, just kick things off by telling us just a little bit more about the work that you do with United Women Singapore?
1: Thank you for asking. Um, Yes, uh, United Women Singapore, UWS, um, we're a Singapore-based non-profit And our area of focus is that of women, women's empowerment, uh, gender equality, and really building the pipeline of future women leaders. And we do this in a number of ways, a number of our programs that outreach um, to girls, young girls, young women, and of course, women um, here in Singapore. We're very, very proud of our, our flagship program, in fact, that focuses on STEM, so science, technology, engineering, and math. Um, encouraging young girls to take up STEM subjects in school and to continue with them um, and to take them up into further studies too because they then have an opportunity to leverage off these the STEM, strong STEM base, into STEM careers. And that's where it really um, makes a difference because the jobs of the future are all digitized. They're all digital jobs. And a strong STEM base will give these young women such a leg up in their career path. And we all recognize that in the long run, this is what's also going to make a difference in narrowing that gender pay gap that we know exists everywhere around the world. So we're very proud of the work that we do. Um, Obviously, STEM is is very much the focus. We run other programs around um, addressing the issue of domestic violence. So here's the interesting thing. While we are a women-focused organization, we actually also run a program that educates boys, young men, because we believe that when you educate a young boy, a man, about the value that women play in their homes, in their schools, in the uh, community, and at work, that's the magic formula that gets us to this point of gender equality.
0: No, oh, it's incredibly important. What sort of response are you getting from these kids, Georgia? Oh,
1: a- amazing! We we are pretty much oversubscribed whenever we run um, an outreach program, uh, particularly for these slightly older girls. I think they recognise that it's it's part of what they need to do to get ahead. So. An opportunity to be mentored by industry professionals, Um, an opportunity to hear role models speak about their own professional journeys and challenges that they faced, and the opportunity to pick up skills along the way that these girls, these young women know will be extremely useful when they want to get ahead in, in their careers. So absolutely, we're seeing great response um and you know we're also getting great response not just from the young women and the girls but also from the community and and this is what's really really encouraging because there are wonderful corporates like tata communications who are stepping up and making a difference who are contributing whether it's content whether it's volunteers but making a difference um, and and wanting to be a part of these girls' journey to success.
0: How does it make you feel thinking that the young girls that you're talking to, the young girls that you're, you're, and boys, as you've talked about, that you're mentoring today, could be playing some incredibly crucial roles in in any industry, including, of course, high-stakes environments like Formula One? That's a good question. I think absolutely, you know,
1: We're very focused on the here and now and getting them on the right path. And in many instances, uh, many of the girls and the young women in our programs come from less advantaged households, right? And they may not have the advantage of having a relative or a friend do introductions for them and open doors for them. So um, we become that extended family, so to speak our partners become that extended family to help these young women. And I think we're all um, very focused on what we can be doing to make the lives of these young women, who, by the way, are all very competent, very smart, and very hungry um, when it comes to wanting knowledge and wanting to upskill themselves. So if we have a chance to, to play a part in their success... Um, I think we're all in it. Mm.
0: Mm. It's, it's it's absolutely amazing that with the work you're doing, uh, Georgette. So thank you so much for thank that.
1: You. And um, again, it's teamwork. We couldn't do it without it our partners.
0: It it absolutely is. We've all got to be in it together. So talking about being together, Tree. Let me ask you: this push for more women in STEM. Is it resulting, in your opinion, in more females entering what are historically male-dominated industries, like, of course, like IT, like motorsports?
2: Well, we like to think so. We go back to the roots of there needs to be incentive for companies to promote this. And I think there's no better example why it makes sense for corporates to uh, adopt a diverse inclusivity is in the fact that. If you look around the history of innovation, and one of the roles I get to play at Tata Communications is I get to spend a lot of time studying and looking at what other companies do around innovation, and all, one of the most common ingredients to driving innovation is when you have diversity of ideas, and without diversity of ideas, it's you're not going to be able to come up with that different perspective, the different thinking, and so as technology requires more and more innovation, and and the fact that one of the big I would say, differentiation between is the user experience, how people consume that technology, how people feel about the technology, and you having a broad uh, demographics extreme. I mean, you need to have that uh, that uh, diversity of perspective in terms of how you think and how you design and how you innovate. And so what I tell to when I go to these forums, I talk to people, It is makes economic sense to adopt. Um, diversity because that's the only way you're going to be able to be able to be dynamic and to be able to innovate. So to me, it makes, uh, you know, it's it's actually boils down to dollars and cents for most companies. Why you, it, you should do this is not because it's the right thing to do. It it also is the best thing for the interest of the company to do as well.
0: Why do you think it's taking so long then for corporates uh, to actually do more to level out the playing field?
2: I'm sure it is this Efforts on both sides. But at the one perspective, I typically hear is that, well, we try, but we don't see a lot of more women coming through. And, you know, I think by talking to Georgette, there's, you know, there's also sort of a sense of uh, confidence for some people, for for some of the young ladies to really want to be moving into this area. So there's a certain level of encouragement. But I, I think it requires a little bit on both sides where more, we can try to promote more women at the early stage to. Enter those areas, and I think there is appetite to hire more. And but at the same time, I also feel that we also need to change a little bit of the mindsets, so some of the of the old biases of what makes a good engineer, what makes a good programmer. So some of those bias always takes a little time. But I think it takes a little effort from both sides to be able to get more people coming in, so that there's you have the the greater you know selection of uh, being able to meet more young women to to be able to hire.
1: I think Tree's absolutely right. It's a demand supply situation. We're trying to build up the base, the pool on the supply side, but we need the corporates, we need the organisations to step up and offer those jobs.
0: Absolutely, and, the, and this is a role for corporates to play. How do we bring, uh, Tree, how do we bring technology into this conversation? I mean, what part does, does technology actually play in, in carving out this more level playing field?
2: One of the things that that I try to do and in terms of back to your question of of supply is that I go visit a lot of universities and that's part of the things that we do as part of our innovation is to see what's going on at at the university, what kind of work they do. And a lot of these universities take pride, especially in the engineering programs, take pride in being how selective they are. And this is one of the things where I push back on people. Today, engineering schools are not supplying sufficient number of engineers. And I think that's that mindset of, being selective and we're only take a certain number of people. I think we need to change that mindset. And actually we need to promote more people to come into the STEM, more people wanting to be science and engineers to be able to meet the needs of what the the corporates will want to do in terms of as they adopt more and more technology. The reality is this is not enough engineers today. And so saying that we're only going to target, you know, male engineers this just doesn't make sense. You want to adopt as many people to come into areas of science and engineering so that you could actually meet the needs of what the companies will do in terms of as they adopt more and more technology.
0: Absolutely. Um, Let me look at F1 now uh, specifically and, and bring it back to that kind of side of the conversation because, of course, there is this impression that F1 is predominantly for men, by men. But if you look at the female viewership and the stats around that, there's an average 34% increase per race in 2022 over the previous year in terms of a rise in female viewership. So Rosanna, if I bring this back to you for a moment, how much do you believe that this is a result of being able to hear voices like yours calling races and actually seeing more female engineers on the screen while you're watching a race? Jill, I think it does come down to the broadcast showing more females on
3: screen. We now have strategy engineers, we have mechanics all taking part on site, on track. Um, and so obviously that helps raise the profile. But I think in the same way that Georgette was talking about being that extended family to people who perhaps don't have contacts in the STEM technology engineering areas of motorsport and uh, motor racing more broadly, we have to provide that network for young people who are considering their options, both at school, college, university, and so their future careers. And so there have been several initiatives set up over the last few years. One was started by Susie Waltz, There is a former former one reserve test advisor. She said that Dare to Be Different a long time ago. That then morphed into the FIA Girls on Track um, UK program. there are multiple uh, versions of that globally, one in Australia as well, along by the teams out there. And that's trying to get more young females interested in STEM subjects, just to get them dipping their toe in the water. Because I think, as Tria needed to you know, it's not a lack of confidence, it's a lack of confidence. And sometimes, if you're not exposed to these potential career avenues or subjects, you don't even know they exist. You don't think they're for you. And so, just to give people that opportunity to experience those at a young age, to really just part the seed that will then. Germinate. Um, we've also got just recently a, a new racing zip. It's called F1 Academy, slightly following in the footsteps of W Series, which is also an all female category. But F1 Academy is now sponsored by Formula One. And I think that shows that Formula One is being very all associated this. They want to support young women getting into motor sports. And we talk about increasing that talent pool. That is exactly what F1 Academy. Aims to do they want to increase the female talent pool both on and off track so that they can sort of maximize the opportunity and potential of young female drivers because people might think well the female drivers just aren't good enough but perhaps they're just not getting those opportunities and i think it's also that have the right experience because you can't just suddenly say well we need some female drivers so let's put them into the sort of feeder series the pyramid Formula one if they haven't had the experience of racing such as with lots of people watching or the pressure to do well. So it's trying to nurture the talent early on so that when they get those opportunities, they can really perform.
0: How much do you think these initiatives are actually making a difference when it comes to increasing the number of fem- females in the industry?
3: I think it is making a difference. I think it's obviously not a, a, sort of a quick stick. It's not putting up pondster. the we want this to be a, a proper change and one that will continue into the future. So I think it's going to take some time. Obviously, these initiatives were started up uh, sort of right about 2015, 2016. So to see that sort of trickle through, it's going to take time. We're not going to suddenly have a young girl suddenly being a team principal on the team. It's going to take a long time for them to acquire that experience, that concept. Um, and having said that, we have had a female team principal of Formula One in the Nisha Carlson board. She was the team principal of Sauber, uh, pretty pretty much 10 years ago. Uh, and Susie Walsh, who I mentioned, who set up Dare to Be Different uh, and then went on to be a team principal at Florida E of the Venturi Racing. She is now the managing director of S1 Academy. So we've definitely got people coming into the sport. I've worked with S1 schools as well, and a number of those uh, children, because that was small, for so both male and female, and some of those are now coming into the sport. It's great to see those faces sort of achieving their dreams because I used to talk to them when they were young and passed away, I in schools. I in schools I want to be a mechanic in the sport and it seemed a long way off because they were young fourteen they were 14, or 15 but now time has you know ticked on by and now they're entering into the sport so it's definitely worth it. but it's about us it's about companies like the occasions working with these initiatives to make sure that young students are aware of the opportunities available because I think sometimes and I'm sure at the time they knew schools don't have the chance to reinvest in every single child and tell them all the opportunities available. So where are corporate, so initiatives like the ones I've mentioned can work with the children. Uh, that is the best the best way really to
0: help them on their way. I, I, I just love that. I, I think that's incredibly important. Um, Georgette, you would have a view on initiatives, things like what Rosanna's just been talking about, like Girls on Track. What do you think when it comes to these kind of initiatives?
1: Look, I think... The more we can expose these girls to what's happening, what the trends are and where where technology is taking industry in the future and then giving these girls firsthand just not knowledge of it but the opportunity, I think that's where it's going to make a huge difference. These girls are again you know um, it's not a matter of competence it's a matter of confidence we want these girls to have Both the competence is what we're all giving them, the training and the schools are doing that, institutions of higher learning, all doing that. But we, as their support structure and and the broader extended family, we're here to give them the confidence and we're here to help open the doors and give these girls opportunities, whether it's an internship, whether it's job shadowing, or just an opportunity to listen to some of these women and their journeys that they've taken, the paths they've taken, and, and and sometimes the challenges. They these young women need to understand they're not alone. And then having um, some of these women mentor these young women, these girls, that's going to make a huge difference in the path that these girls take. It's about getting them getting them on that, that path, but also keeping them on that path because there's lots of distractions there's lots of challenges along the way and some of these girls may choose to 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 step off we want to keep them on this path and we want to make it as fruitful for them as possible all along the way so so it's a long journey it's it's a long ride and um, it's going to take everybody it's all of it's it's an all of society effort really it's not just one group of people doing their part um so It really is. It's nothing that's going to happen overnight, as Rosanna said. It's going to take um, a long time, but we've all started on that journey.
0: I wanted to give you all a a big thank you for joining us on on the podcast today. Thank you so much to our panel members. Thank you so much for having us.
1: Thank
2: you. Thank you, everyone.
0: (laughs) And that is all we do have time for today. Thank you also to our listeners, of course, for tuning into this fascinating discussion about the coming together of sport and technology to advance diversity and inclusion. I've thoroughly enjoyed being the guest host today of this very special podcast. In conclusion, it is it is fair to say after our conversation, a great deal of progress has been made in greater inclusion in these sectors, but there's clearly still a lot more work to be done when it comes to increasing female participation in senior roles in, in many sectors sectors across sectors. Let's continue the good work. Thank you all for listening. I'm Auriel Morrison, co-founder and CSO at the APEC Network.